Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the podcast. You are listening to the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds. We're going to hang out a little bit and talk this week about the demographics and your next financial crisis waiting in the wings, so to speak, if you will. So George, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Hey, Mark. Spring is here, at least in the weather, not on the calendar. We're in the late March here as at the time we're doing this podcast. So uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we are done with the cold stuff. You never know. It could be one last little hurrah, so we won't jinx it just yet. But George, let's get into this topic because what in the world am I talking about here with demographics kind of talking about this next potential financial crisis? I got some bullet points I want to ask you about, but how do the demographics play into this? Well, uh, a couple of ways. Number one, uh, and I mentioned incorrectly on a prior podcast, uh, I'd use something for Milton F- uh, Friedman. Actually, it was Joseph Schumpeter said that capitalism is the sum total of everyone working to improve their lives on a daily basis. And what that means is that consumers make up 60 to 70% of the economy. And rather than look into the crystal ball, we just look into the history books to see what people are doing. Normal people do normal things at normal ages. Now, today, a 62-year-old woman could have a baby, but most of the time it happens in the 20s, the early 20s. So if we look at our supply of 20-year-olds and 25-year-olds, we can kind of get a get an idea on what's happening with the, the birth rate. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. So the, the core of, of my belief is that nothing, nothing happens suddenly when you pay attention. Everything is a surprise when you don't. And I came across demographics in 1993, uh, watching PBS. I, I met Harry Dent, and he came up with the idea of the connection and the, the ability to predict the economy based on demographics. And uh, I was a very successful real estate lender at the time. And that's when I went back to school uh, for two years, got my CFP. Uh, it just made so much sense what was happening. And then and there was 100 million people looking to get into debt at the time. And <laughs> right. I was selling debt. It was, uh, it was a really good time and a really easy time to be successful. But I saw what was going to happen in the future as people were aging and they wanted to get out of debt and wanted to save for retirement. So I changed careers. I uh, went back to school for two years, got my CFP, and then uh, developed a wealth management practice. Well, let's talk about the crisis side of this, George, because I got a couple of these bullet points, as I mentioned. These are places where folks may consider it to be uh, a potential crisis looming, to your point of maybe the next financial crisis for themselves personally. But maybe we can find opportunity in that or, or just try to view it from another set of, you know, another mindset. Uh, and the empty nest syndrome is one that, that certainly affects people that way, especially for a lot of our demographic, a lot of the folks that listen to our podcast, we're talking 50 plus. That's typically when we're starting to see that happen, the empty nesters. Yes, that's the most critical part of understanding how demographics is tied to the economy. You know, Harry Den pointed out that potato chip consumption peaks at age 42. <laughs> really? And the reason for that is that's when you have teenagers at home. They get home from school. They want something savory before they, they take their afternoon nap. Uh-huh. And uh, So families tend to buy uh, much more potato chips when the head of household is 42 than at any other time. That's pretty funny. I wouldn't have thought about that. And then starting in the 50s, uh, there's this thing that 
it's a myth for some people. It's called discretionary income. Right. And discretionary income is the kids are off creating havoc through the rest of the economy. And now mom and dad finally have some extra money. And with that, first there's quantity and then there's quality. So first they go out and spend on a lot of things like leisure things. That's when they buy the Harley. That's when they buy the vacation home. That's when uh, when they go on the cruise, when they buy the good dining room set. Right. And that creates a boom in the economy. And it's kind of predictable where the name brands tend to do better than the than the generic brands. So right around age 49 or 50, that's our peak spending years. We're splurging more. Exactly. Yeah. But it's also when we're, we're making more money. At age 50, you're productivity in the economy is great, but it requires very little investment. You're a 50-year-old cab driver. You don't need a new cab. Or a 50-year-old computer programmer, you don't need a new computer. So you don't require any investment. At the same time, your productivity, because of your experience, has maxed out. Yeah. Ideally, we're making the most we probably have in our lifetime at that point. Exactly. And then, uh, so that's when we first have that discretionary income. We spend on luxury goods. We spend on the things we just couldn't afford when we were 40, when we were spending all that money on potato chips. (laughs) Or 30s, right? Or whatever the case is. Yeah. And so, and even if, if you want to factor the emotional side too, some people will say you've got varying stances on, hey, we're empty nesters. Woohoo. This is great. The kids are, you know, gone or off the payroll or whatever. Uh, and then you have others that really view it as, you know, sad and, and just not sure how to function. And that kind of creates that possible crisis looking, you know, window. So it's really how you want to frame your, your mentality on that. Uh, and then it, another position, George, might be the market downturns. Uh, if we're moving on to the, like the next crisis point, whether it's last March with the pandemic that created this out of the blue or just the natural ebb and flow of the market, downturns or crashes tend to put people in a state of, you know, oh no, what do I do now? You know, versus having a good plan to write it through. They see it more as a crisis versus possibly an opportunity. Well, yes and no. The um, the market crashes are somewhat predictable as well. Again, if we look at the spending, we follow the money. Okay. When our supply of 50-year-olds goes up, the economy and the stock market tend to go up. And when our supply of 50-year-olds goes down, the opposite happens. Hmm. Just a real quick example. The birth rate bottomed in 1932. Okay. 50 years later, 1982, the stock market adjusted for inflation. Uh, 1982, Reagan's recession. Sure. That's when the economy and the stock market bottomed, 50 years from the bottom of the birth rate. Interesting. The birth rate peaked in September 1957, not that we need to take it down to the month, but 50 years after 57 was 2007. That's when the stock market peaked before the financial crisis. Huh. So the 50 gives us a great guide on when things are happening. The birth rate is not the only thing that affects the economy and the stock market. Wars, disasters, epidemics historically. Right. But especially the Federal Reserve. We saw the economy stay warm for a few years when uh, the first baby boomers, the, the, or really the second wave of baby boomers uh, born 46 uh, in 46 and 47, we should have seen the stock market peak around 1997, 1998, but the Federal Reserve was pouring money into the economy uh, for Y2K. So then we saw oh, oh, the yeah. market <laughs> Y2K, crash yeah. to 2000. Right. 
Well, that's pretty interesting. I mean, so again, some of those demographics kind of can support some of these conversations on on the crisis point, whether you're looking at it that way or not. Again, empty nest or market crash or whatever. And another piece that I wanted to ask you about, because you were talking about boomers, you know, we often, George, hear the conversation that 10,000 baby boomers retire a day, so on and so forth, or are eligible to, I suppose. But we don't talk so much about the long-term care side of that same equation. And that's another crisis point for many people. Yes. Uh, many people have predicted there's going to be a transfer of wealth from the next generation or to the next generation from the last generation. And it's going to rival the transfer of wealth from the conquistadors with transferring all the gold. Oh, wow. And I don't believe it's going to look anything like that. I think that wealth is going to go into long-term health care. And uh, 10,000 people on average are going to turn 65 per day over the next 10 years. It's right. actually up 12,000 per day for the next three or four years. 12,000? Wow. Right. And that's all those people going on Medicare. A former uh, director of the Office of Management of the Budget uh, referring to the uh, Social Security crisis that's, that's going to happen uh, in a few years because of uh, demographics. And he says the Medicare crisis is going to be five times bigger than that. That uh, as the parts wear out, as we have medical uh, breakthroughs and people are living longer, it's going to tax the, uh, the healthcare system much longer. And people are going to need long-term care, especially with, uh, with dementia. Uh, people can live 30 years with dementia. They may not live a long time with diabetes or, or a heart valve problem, but the dementia, they can live for right. another 30, 40 years, yeah. and that could really tax the healthcare system. I don't believe there is going to be a big uh, transfer of wealth going forward. I think it's the, uh, the long-term care is going to create a real crisis. Uh, it's going to make uh, all the others look... Uh, Look simple. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're continuing to figure out how to prolong the body. We're printing. I mean, we're even printing 3D body parts. I just saw the other day uh, someone was the recipient of a double lung transplant, you know, and I guess is doing okay. So to your point, but we're not able to figure out how to deal with, you know, keeping the mind better. And so we're seeing the bodies last longer, but the mind's starting to slip. And yeah, long-term care on dementia is certainly very costly. And the, the stay is usually much higher as well. Yes. I met the CEO of the company that's doing that, United Therapeutics, uh, two years ago in, uh, in Palm Beach. And I'm just fascinated by how they do that, uh, where they actually clone. Oh, you're talking about the 3D printing organs. thing? Well, for, they start with 3D printing and right. then they, they, clone, uh, uh, they clone organs from a person's own stem cells. And then they design the wow. organ that they want to replace. And I thought that was really, you know, Jetson's way off into the future <laughs> kind of stuff. And yeah. then I actually met a, a technician that's doing that on a daily basis right here in Horsham, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Right? So it's not, it's not that far into the future that they're doing this. Uh, it's not necessarily perfected yet, but it is something. But we're going to need some, some help with the brain. So number yeah. one is exercise. Always do crossword puzzles. And my mom does Sudoku, the math puzzles. And, mm -hmm. uh, and she's, she's pretty sharp for 85. Hey, that's good. Yeah. Turning off the TV, you know, exercising, you know, things and mental stuff as well. I mean, all of those things factor into it because you're, you know, the long-term care insurance rate hikes are, are going to continue. Uh, it's, you know, seven out of every 10 or two out of every three, you know, whatever numbers you want to go with are needing some sort of long-term care or insurance for an event that's going to happen. And again, that could be a short event, like two or three years or something longer, seven or eight years, if you're talking about dementia. So that's another potential crisis point for many people that's looming into their, in the background. And of course, all of this is things that you really should be thinking about how to plan for and strategizing for. 
uh, because you know we know these things are coming. We know at some point we'll be empty nesters. We know there's always going to be ebbs and flows in the market. Uh, we just talked about the fact that you know we're we're probably going to need some form of healthcare and long term care. But one crisis point, George, you can't really necessarily plan for uh, is the getting laid off or or downsizing or the things that we've seen, especially impacted even more so through COVID the last year. Yes, losing your job, losing your income source can be a surprise. But again, it doesn't have to be a surprise because everyone is going to face that at some point that there will be a surprise. And I just uh, am constantly uh, surprised how many plastic surgeons, how many orthodontists, how many OR nurses were out of work last year and they never, ever, ever thought it would happen to them. But I also remember That's all the true. computer programs, computer programmers in 2001 thinking that how they've been performing over the last five years was going to continue. And then some of these people, it was a white collar recession. And these people were looking for jobs for three, four, five years. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you kind of think there's certain industries where, you know, you know, everybody's talking about learning coding now, you know, or whatever the case might be and so on and so forth. But yeah, we, we thought that was the, the big thing in, uh, with the dot-com you know, explosion. And then all of a sudden you had the crashes and people you know, started losing their jobs. Now it's transitioned into something else and that's typically the case, but you can have that period where you're going to run into a scenario where getting laid off is certainly a potential possibility, uh, companies downsize, so on and so forth. And so how do you turn those any of these crises, George, into maybe an opportunity? And that's really just through proper planning. Yeah. In my first book, I had a chapter on dealing with a financial crisis, and I came up with three rules for mm-hmm. managing the crisis. Okay. And rule number one, never run out of cash. <laughs> Sound rule. Rule number two, never, ever, ever run out of cash. <laughs> and rule number three is never, ever, ever, ever run, run out, out of cash. cash. Yeah. You have to have cash. Again, whether it's three months or six months, or I recommend a year's worth of what all your expenses are. But the other part of that is there are sometimes people get stuck. Uh, I think of Billy Joel's uh, song, Allentown. And great song. I'm, I'm actually involved in a project now where we're giving out free copies of the book by Spencer Johnson, Who Moved My Cheese? So many people just keep going back when they got laid off from the car factory or the steel mill. Right. They kept waiting for things to, to come back, kept waiting and waiting. Oh, you go back to the same and, place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can never pour the toothpaste back into the tube. And right. we're, as we're starting to, to round the curve of, of COVID, uh, it really concerns me that people through inertia could be hurt even more by their consistency than the actual virus. That they really need to learn, as Spencer Johnson points out, they need to go look for the cheese someplace else. They can't keep going back every day to where the cheese used to be. They need to go through the maze and find out where it is. So uh, I am, like I said, I'm involved in a project where we're giving out free copies to just help people really, uh, really learn how to deal with uh, change. And he's a great storyteller, my favorite author, and uh, he's written several other books for helping people deal with different events in their life. But if uh, if someone's stuck in a mode where they don't want to change or don't see the change or think things are going to go back the way they were, uh, send me a note. I will send you a copy to give to them, uh, a copy of Who Moved the che- My Cheese uh, from Spencer Johnson. Uh, just drop an email to george at mcwealth.com and we'll make sure we get that out to you. Okay. Uh, but that's the other part. So number one, don't run out of cash. And number two, be ready to change. 
That's a great point because it is very true. You sometimes you don't think about that. You're so ingrained in saying, "Well, this is all I know," or "This is what I know how to do," and you just don't try to look elsewhere or push yourself out of that comfort zone. And it's scary. I get it. It makes sense, but it certainly can be a challenge. And that's where crisis can certainly rear its head there, if you will. So, if you'd like a copy of that book, again, as George mentioned, just shoot him an email at George at McWealth MCWealth dot com. That's George at mcwealth.com. And that's going to do it this week here for us on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us. You can find all the information at the website there as well. If you have any questions or concerns, you need some help, you need a second opinion or even a first opinion because you're just not sure about the strategy you need to employ for your situation. When it comes to retirement planning, give George a call at 215-699-1050. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever platform you like to use. Most phones already have those apps pre-installed nowadays. If you're an Android user, for example, Google uh, Podcast should already be on there. If you're an Apple user, Apple Podcast is on there. Simply open up that app and type in Prosper Podcast, and you should be able to find us that way. And you can subscribe as well. George, thanks for your time, my friend. Have yourself a great week. Enjoy some of that spring weather, and I'll talk to you in in, uh, April, actually. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you soon. We'll see you next time here on the show, folks. Thanks for hanging out with George and I. George is a wealth manager and chief tax strategist at Protective Wealth Care, and we'll see you next time on the Prosper Podcast. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Cambridge and Protective Wealthcare are not affiliated. Advanced-level tax planning, income tax preparation, life coaching and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.